Happy New Year, and welcome to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making relationships the best they can be. I do hope you had a wonderful holiday season, and I I certainly wish you a happy and healthy New Year, and a sexually healthy New Year in particular. Well, the holidays are time for family and friends and rest and reflection. I had a great rest myself. I, I well deserved, if I, <laughs> I must say, or definitely deserved and definitely appreciated. Um, I saw a couple of great movies, went away, went skiing, uh, spent time with family and friends. It was fantastic. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? If you didn't, um, then that's fine. It's okay. But I'm sure the ones you made were related to were related to losing weight, going to the gym, stopping smoking, drinking less. We are going to talk about drinking on the show tonight, in particular drinking and women and the impact it has on women. The negative impact. Uh, did you make any sexual health New Year's resolutions? If you didn't, I'm going to help you with those tonight. So I've got a few on my list for you and feel free to take any of them off. I bet Buckingham Palace has some New Year's resolutions Andrew, you're not allowed to play with those bad boys who are not royalty. We are different, Andrew. Of course, if you do not know what I'm referring to, it is the allegations waged against, of all people, Prince Andrew, that he had an underage sex sex slave. Uh, And embroiled in that is uh, Jeremy Epstein and as well as uh, the lawyer for O.J. Simpson, whose name is escaping me at the moment, Alan, <laughs> anyway, I'll think of it. But uh, regardless, the the palace has categorically denied that our dear, fun-loving, slightly tawdry and getting on, or was he getting it on, fifth in line to the throne, had sex with that girl. Uh, well, should we say woman, Andy? Anyway, I love how all the stand-by-your-mans come out uh, with when sex allegations come before they have any evidence. And we don't have any evidence either, but it's interesting that all of these cases are coming out. And, um, you know, I think people are getting a little bit more confidence whether or not they um, they are true. And as I say, these are allegations. Um, uh, and it's driving me crazy that I cannot think of that lawyer's name. But anyway, was it Alan Dershowitz? That's it. <laughs> Thank you, Gabe. And you're the next one on my list. You're welcome. Thanks, Gabe Reinhardt, for the uh, also your tech production and your contribution to the content on this sex show. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Let's not get into the details. <laughs> Happy New Year. Yes, certain sex lives are off limits. Okay, that includes mine too. Um, anyway, so that's that's one thing. But we, we're having a lot of these uh, sexual uh, mis, uh, mishaps in the, in the news these days, and we're hearing lots more about that. And another case is the Dalhousie Dentist, which I've talked to you about that before, but there actually seems to be uh, more of a story going on there. And um, I am... Very fortunate to have joining me in the studio tonight, Julia Byrne. She's a fourth-year student at the University of Toronto studying political science and women and gender studies. Welcome to the studio, Julia. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being a kindred spirit in this um, uh, this that we call sexual health work. Uh, so it's great. So uh, you are a student at the University of Toronto, and so I'm certain you've read about the Dalhousie dentists. And uh, what are your thoughts on that situation? And if, and if you're not familiar with the Dalhousie dentists, they actually created a Facebook page, and they talked about how they were going to use chloroform and um, uh, wage... Uh, 
horrific acts on on women when they were under the influence of mind-altering substances. So, um, Julia, what do you... Uh, they're, they're calling for their expulsion, quite honestly, a lot of people in the city. That's what the students are asking for. Mm-hmm. And the Facebook page was made by the males in the... Not all of them, I'm assuming, but in the dentistry program at Dalhousie. And right now, four professors actually just came forward and filed a, a complaint, a formal complaint, in order to somehow... Um, prosecute or something for these for these males that were involved in this because it's it's sexual harassment and and they want to expel it's a, a, and it's a these they're are allegations asking for again. at least a suspension because they suspension. they haven't even had anything any consequences so far. Um, so Did they want to go the restorative justice route? Was which what I understood? Yeah, and the professors are saying that this isn't working right now, and they don't want to isolate any women that have to come forward themselves. So instead, the professors are taking it into their own hands and they're uh, doing this for the for the women instead. Isn't that nice? I yeah. do love when uh, people stand up for uh, people who have been marginalized in any way or, um, you know, we, we all need people in our camps when we've had negative um, uh, actions against us and, you know, when we're trying to say, you know, this happened to us. So, so it's always, always yeah. great. And as a student, do you think it's, um, what do you think is the best thing if they were found guilty of these allegations? It's, it's hard to say because they can either be temporarily out of the program and then they can finish it eventually. Um, their names maybe should be released because if I'm going to go get my teeth cleaned, yeah, Maybe I would go. like to know if they're <laughs> if they have access to chloroform. You know, exactly. what I mean. exactly. <laughs> absolutely. And um, yeah, we may not want to go to them as a dentist. We may not want to send our daughters to them as a dentist Abs- either. Absolutely. Um, I think that as a woman, as a woman, and in a, in a field that is very male dominated, I think that maybe expulsion should be considered. Mm-hmm. And you made a good point earlier when we talked about this, that social media, people don't really know how to use social media these days. Absolutely. And they're using it in ways that are getting them into so much trouble. And that's the thing with social media is anybody can see it. Anybody can look it up. Um, police officers, your friends, your mom. And, and why people don't realize that, I'm not sure, but I think it's that in the moment living. Yeah. And people really have to filter themselves because anybody can see this this information nowadays. They certainly do. And I and I gather that went on for for a long time anyway. So, yeah. well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. And, but I'm glad that actually people are speaking up and, and supporting uh, the women that um, or the, the potential women that this may have happened to. Anyway, so uh, that's a uh, tough thing going on at Dalhousie University. Also in the East, though, the mayors of southern southwestern Ontario are also standing up about Bill Cosby. They don't want to have Bill Cosby to come to their town because of the allegations uh, waged against him oh, wow. as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, you know, it, I think things are changing. It's a lot of work, and mm-hmm. um, this work is really important. Women's studies and um, gender violence, and, you know, violence happens to men and women. And, Absolutely. And if we could all just be happy and love each other, <laughs> I think it would be a whole lot better. Um, anyway, the holiday season was jam-packed with love and fun and family and friends. It was also wild in many ways, and, and um, well, it was a New Year's Eve party I attended at the Fairmont Chateau Whistler after some uh, skiing. I'd taken skiing off for a couple of years because I'd had a concussion one year and then I had a kidney problem the next and I was advised not to be, you know, have another injury. So I lowered my risk and and took a rest from uh, skiing. Um, I also saw the movie Wild and I I thought that was the most perfect movie to see at the start of any year. I don't know if you've seen the movie Wild or read the book. I've heard a lot about it, but I haven't seen it yet. By Cheryl Strayed. It was fantastic. And she she named herself, she christened herself Strayed because uh, she had strayed multiple times in her marriage for a number of reasons. 
reasons. Um, she'd had some problems with addiction, and I don't want to go into it, but I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but it's about a woman who uh, walks uh, to process the pain of her childhood and her grief and her loss. And it, it's fantastic. Reese Witherspoon plays Cheryl Strait, and Laura Dern, Laura Dern is her mother. Um, so I urge you to see this movie. It's, it's beautiful. It's peaceful. And uh, there are moments in the movie that depict the fine line between pleasure and pain. And those can be so closely related. And we know that in sexual health as well. Um, Processing pain and life experiences or letdown, heartache or heartbreak is something I speak frequently about. And I'm going to talk about that a lot uh, this year as well, because you've asked me to through your emails. I am going to read some of the emails to you tonight. Um, You know, through the year, we're going to talk about the problems that a lot of us face. We all face problems. Uh, nobody's life is perfect, um, but one way to approach life is is through happiness, and, and sometimes we can choose that. You know, some people seem happier than others in, in spite of the troubles that they have, and, and that was depicted in that movie as well. Uh, and then the other movie I saw was uh, Philomena, which was fantastic. Um, so anyway, a couple of movies for you, a little advice to, uh, you know, get going in the new year, and... Um, uh, you know, some of the messages about being easy and not to judge people and to be forgiving. And that's um, really important, especially as you face 2015 with your um, uh, with your New Year's resolutions. Anyway, and so in addition to those, lose weight and uh, not uh, go to the gym more and exercise more and, you know, look at your finances You want to give back and you want to have sex, not just sex, not just any old kind of dull, boring sex. Have great sex. It doesn't seem at first glance to be the the cure for what ails you, but there are so many health benefits. And we're going to talk about that this year as well. And, And really, anybody can benefit and be better served by having more sex. Anyway, um, over the holidays, you may have had a little bit too much to drink, and you may think, well, you know what? I'm drinking too much. Uh, So you may want to look at that, but I'm going to talk to you when I come back about women and alcohol. It's very different for us. When I return, how many drinks did you have over the holidays? I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm a registered nurse. I'm also a sex therapist. And uh, I host the show each week. If you have any questions for me about sex or anything related to it, I will try and answer it for you. But you can give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Or you can email me at sextalk at cknw.com. And I am going to go through some of the emails that I have received, one about herpes um, a little bit later. And that may be a concern for you, herpes and dating. Um, I'll read that to you a little bit later in the program. But, you know, drinking is a big issue over the holidays. And I had a patient who came in to see me. I don't make this stuff up, honestly. And he was in a relationship. He had just broken up over the holidays after a long-term relationship and a number of children um, because his wife was a drinker. She was an alcoholic, as he said. And, and whenever she drank, which was fairly frequently, she would cheat on him with a woman, So this, of course, was not the healthiest relationship ever, and it also impacted her children. And so when children grow up with that insecurity and the mixed messaging, and um, it can uh, pose problems for them, and they'll, you know, likely need some help later on in life uh, to to sort things out because, um, you know, alcoholic families have their own set of challenges. We all have challenges in families, but um, when you introduce any substance into a 
or any addiction into a family, uh, it can pose even greater challenges. But, you know, it made me think about women and drinking. Uh, And because I was also talking to somebody I know who works in the transplant area, and she was telling me how so many women who've been drinking chronically for 25, 30 years, every single day, they're having three or four glasses of wine. For all those years, it eventually catches up with them, and they end up with liver disease and may, in fact, require a transplant, uh, which is pretty shocking. And so I think we lack some education around women and drinking. We have lots of health problems uh, to deal with in terms of diet and exercise and hormones and stress, especially the lives that women are leading today. And um, trying to keep up with all the health issues facing women is a challenge. Alcohol presents a huge challenge for women because even in small amounts, alcohol affects women differently than men, most unfortunately. But in many ways, heavy drinking is much riskier for women than it is for men. And that has to do with the water, the difference in water and the difference in weight that we have. Um, so it's important to get uh, the information out there. Every woman is different, and, and no amount of drinking is 100% safe, 100% of the time for every woman, um, but it is important to know how alcohol can affect a woman's health and safety. So the people who shouldn't drink at all is, is really anybody under the age of, well, 21, but the, ver- the um, drinking ages are different province to province and state to state in the U.S., um, People of any age who are unable to restrict their drinking to moderate levels. So if you drink excessively, it's, it's really going to impact things like your liver and your brain. Um, and so it's going to maybe get you into a lot of trouble. Your decision-making may be skewed as well. Women who may become pregnant or who are pregnant should not drink at all. Or if you're planning to drive, of course, or you're taking prescription or over-the-counter medications that can al- interact with alcohol. People don't realize all the natural things they're taking today because, of course, those have not been clinically tested and proven to work. Um, But, you know, they may, in fact, interact with the alcohol that you're taking. So why is it that lower levels of drinking uh, is recommended for women versus men? And that, uh, you might wonder why that is. And it's because women are at a much greater risk than men for developing alcohol-related problems because alcohol passes through your digestive tract, and so kind of the, through the stomach and the, um, and the colon and the ascending colon and descending colon. It is dispersed in the, uh, in the water in the body through the gastrointestinal tract. So the more water available, the more diluted the alcohol And because men weigh more than women, and pound for pound, women have less water in their bodies than men. So it's actually going to be dispersed uh, more so in a woman's body than in a man's. So therefore, a woman's brain and other organs, like the liver, are exposed to more alcohol and to more of the toxic byproducts that result when when the body breaks down and eliminates the alcohol or tries to eliminate the alcohol. So because of the less water we have in our bodies, we are, it's not, the the alcohol is stronger. So it's stronger alcohol that goes to your brain. It's a higher concentration of alcohol that goes through your liver. So that is why women are at greater risk. Um, So what is a drink? I often hear people, especially parents, they'll say, well, I'm okay with him drinking beer, but I'm not okay with him drinking vodka. I'm, I'm okay with him drinking Beer. Everyone's okay with everybody drinking beer or wine, but they're not okay with spirits or um, hard liquor. But 
you know, one 12-ounce uh, bottle of beer or a wine cooler equals one five-ounce glass of wine equals one and a half ounces of 80-proof distilled spirits. And, you know, keep in mind that the alcohol content of different types of beer, wine, and distilled spirits can also vary quite substantially. But, you know, nobody's going to be able to get down as much of the 80-proof distilled um, spirits. Um, and, and so there is something to be said. You might you might drink less if you're having to consume more to get the same amount of alcohol. So, you know, um, you may drink fewer beers or, anyway, fewer spirits. Who knows? I don't know. Some people can drink um, till the cows come home. But anyway... Um, so just to keep in mind that all alcohol is basically alcohol, and it just doesn't really matter. It, it is how many drinks you have and the impact um, on your vital organs. And your vital organs are your heart and your kidneys and your brain and your liver. And so, so many women get to, you know, the age of 50, and they might start having symptoms of liver disease. Uh, fatigue can be one, and um, lab work that is out of whack, so your liver... Um, your liver function tests may may be elevated, your LFTs, as they say. Um, and so alcohol, you know, it's something to look at. So how much alcohol are you drinking? Is it impacting your life? Do you have to have it every day? These are some of the questions that you have to ask. If you're hospitalized and you've been drinking three or four glasses of wine every day for 10 years, 20 years, you're going to be put on the um, alcohol withdrawal protocol. They're going to watch you for going into DTs. So they're going to assess that as well, in addition to whatever brought you into the hospital. There are some benefits um, to moderate drinking. They may be short and long-term um, effects, but you know some heart disease, once thought of uh, as mainly a threat to men, but heart disease is also the leading killer of women. And drinking moderately may lower the risk. And moderate drinking is one drink a day. So one glass of wine a day is what is recommended by... Um, health organizations and um, so but a lot of people cannot stop at one drink a day so you've got to ask yourself that question can you stop at uh, one drink a day um, but other things better than alcohol like healthy diet exercise not smoking and uh, having healthy weight uh, is far more beneficial than moderate drinking because we're not really sure um, if it can be beneficial. And maybe some people define moderate drinking in their own way. But of course, there are risks to drinking and driving. There are risks with medication interactions, especially with antidepressants. Antidepressants will not work optimally if you are drinking alcohol when you are um, taking an antidepressant. So uh, if you're continuing on, and, and you may be using alcohol to treat your depression, and, and then you may realize you have depression and the doctor may put you on, but may not ask you how much alcohol that you are consuming. But it's a very important question, probably the most important uh, question to ask. So it also can interact with a wide variety of medications, both prescription and over-the-counter as well. Also, breast cancer. Research suggests that as little as one drink a day, which is considered the moderate um, amount of alcohol, moderate drinking, can slightly raise the risk of breast cancer in some women, especially postmenopausal women or women who have a family history of breast cancer. Bre breast cancer. Um, so you, but you really cannot predict how alcohol will affect that risk. Fetal alcohol syndrome is um, drinking by a, pregnant women, uh, by a pregnant woman, and that can definitely harm her unborn baby. So it's important that people do not do that as well. Anyway, so, you know, this year, it might be that year, um, 
to say, hey, my drinking is a little bit too much and it may be impacting people that I love and it's also affecting my health and safety and general well-being. And and it also places a, a woman at greater risk for becoming a victim of violence and sexual assault. I'm not uh, blaming that drinking, but drinking is definitely associated with it. Anyway, when I come back, we're going to keep on this Debbie Downward attitude, <laughs> Debbie Downer, and uh, talk about herpes and dating. But I've got some great news for you on that front. I'm Maureen McGrath and you're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. If you're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, I have a couple of emails for you. But first of all, I wanted to update you on a story that I told you about uh, just before the holidays. Uh, There was a couple who had split up several years ago. They did have one child. He was an alcoholic, just to give you a summary of the story. And he is now a reformed alcoholic, and he's been sober for about four years. But his ex-wife, the mother of his child, did not want him to have any uh, unsupervised visitation with his child. He had one hour supervised visitation with his child, and this had been going on uh, for about six or seven years. So he did find the confidence and the courage to go to court. He found a lawyer who understood his case and understood the laws. And um, so he was actually given... Uh, just prior to Christmas, he an emergency filing was submitted to the courts, and the judge ordered that the father see him uh, at his Christmas pageant and spend time with him on Christmas Day and spend time with his son on New Year's Day and also phone him every single night. And uh, so one of the gifts that I received over Christmas, because I supported this patient. He needed some guidance and some understanding on how this was to be done, and this pulled at my heartstrings, because I really feel that all children need to have, uh, uh, to know that, they need to know that both of their parents love them, and um, so this patient of mine sent me some pictures of him and his son at the holidays, and, and he also sent me a little story, and he said that uh, he was so grateful that he was uh, able to spend this time over the holidays and meet his teachers and go to his pageant. And uh, and one time he said, uh, come on to the little boy. Your mom's going to be here in three minutes, and you know we have to go. And the little boy said, well, why don't we just make the best of the last three minutes, Dad? And, you know, it was just a nice, heartfelt uh, story. And, and it it's... Um, you know, the, the parents are not getting along, they're not civil, and they're, they're in court, and, you know, and it's sad, and it's money that can actually be going to the child instead of being wasted on, on lawyers and courts and court dates and documents, and, I mean, maybe a little bit needs to be drafted legally, but, um, you know, if you are in any way getting in the way of your child's relationship with the other parent, you are, I am sorry, you are dead wrong. Every child needs to know and have the security that they are loved by their parents. So it's going to actually lead to troubles for them later in life. And I've certainly spoken to a number of of patients and people who have had that experience where uh, a bitter, angry mother has prevented her child or children from seeing their father um, because he had a disease, because he had alcoholism or because he had drug addiction. And, you know, we have to be more empathic uh, this year in 2015. And I hope you will become more empathic and more giving, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, and here's a couple emails for you. So, uh, hi, Maureen. My husband and I have split up over the holidays. The problem was control in the relationship versus sex. In fact, the sex was great. We even photographed ourselves during sex. However, he is so angry about the split that I am afraid he's going to share those photos with my friends, 
family and employer. I don't think would, he would stoop so low as to post them online, but I am extremely uncomfortable about him having them at all. Trust or lack thereof was another issue in the relationship. Is there any way I can force him to delete them? Best regards, Nervous Nelly. I can see why you're nervous, Nelly. And that is because I, this is, again, we talk about the decisions. I mean, in the heat of the moment, you're uh, thinking, you know, let's photograph this. And that can be very erotic and uh, very exciting and so much fun and you actually think the relationship is never going to break up even though you have problems in the relationship so if you're going to film something use a Kodak camera and where you can rip up the picture um, or, or try and delete it at the time after you've viewed it uh, it's a tough one to you know he your ex-husband may sound very he seems that he's a bit bitter um, but you may try and have a conversation with him about it. If you are hanging on to photographs, it's a little public service announcement. If you're hanging on to photographs from a previous relationship and you know somebody's nervous that you might, you know, this does not become you to actually send nude photographs to friends or family or other people to get back at somebody. So it's just not cool. And give, you know, just provide those pictures or ensure Somebody put somebody, there's nothing better than peace of mind. If you can give somebody peace of mind, that is one of the greatest gifts you can ever give them. So uh, is there a way you can force him? No, you can never force anybody to do anything. Can you speak to him and ask him about it and explain your situation by all means? And, you know, just tell him, you know, one word I like to use when there's conflict in a relationship is curious. I'm curious why you want to keep those photographs. Um, let him know that it makes you uncomfortable. Let him know that it's uh, difficult for you knowing he has those. And, you know, understand that it was a time where where the relationship was good and loving. And, you know, um, so really just having a conversation uh, with him is probably the first step. And I wish you the best of luck in the world because it, it uh, it's very unnerving and uh, uncomfortable. Uh, to know that that's out there and to, and to lack trust. So when you do not trust somebody in a relationship, it is very detrimental to your own health and, and to their health. And nobody should have that control over you either. And, and, and really keep your power within is very important. So I would, I would talk to him about it and, and see where you go from there. And, and good luck with that. Uh, I have another email from you, dear Maureen. It's entitled Life After Herpes. Dear Maureen, I've had herpes since my early 20s, and I am now in my 50s, and it has caused me to have no women in my life, as I am always afraid of rejection when one becomes intimate. Are there ways to meet women with a similar issue, or have I overreacted? There are herpes dating sites. Are these legit and safe? Any suggestions? You know, your life, your dating life should not be over, and, and no, you've not re overreacted to this either. So it's kind of a double-barreled response I'm going to give to you. We're, we're all afraid of rejection. And so that's a very common um, thought. And so you may have some additional rejection when you first meet somebody and, um, and you're thinking, how am I going to tell them that I have herpes? Well, my suggestion is not to tell anybody initially. Let them see Mr. Wonderful first and let them fall for you and fall in love with you. Um, and see how wonderful you are. Some people, you know, will will accept that. And, and it's a very common, herpes is extremely common. And there's a chance that the woman you're um, dating may have herpes herself. 
Um, there are ways also, there are some daily medications that can keep outbreaks down or, or minimize them as, as time goes on. So I would definitely not give up. Uh, there are definitely, you mentioned the herpes dating sites and those do exist and they are definitely legit and safe. Um, and, but always go with your gut. If you feel that that it's not something that's legitimate and safe, but but really, it's good for people. It is going to turn a lot of people off, and I'm not going to lie to you. It is going to make people nervous. Nobody wants to get herpes intentionally, but there are some safe sex practices that you can engage in that uh, people are willing to, um, if, as long as you're, um, you know, they want to have a relationship with you. People will pretty much do anything to um, have a relationship, and, and relationships take sacrifice. So I, I may go to one of those um, herpes websites as well and, um, and, and try it out and see, uh, see how you um, feel about it. Uh, just if, in, in case you don't, or in case one is not familiar with genital herpes, it's a sexually transmitted infection that's caused by two types of virus viruses. The viruses are called herpes simplex one and herpes simplex two. It is so common, um, and about one every one out of every six people between the ages of fifteen and fifty have genital herpes, and it is spread by having vaginal, anal, or oral sex. And you can actually have oral sex with somebody and get genital herpes. So don't think because um, you have uh, because it's been it, you kiss somebody who had oral sex and then you have some. Uh, lesions on your genitalia that it's never going to come back because we're finding that uh, herpes 1 and 2 um, uh, can be found in the genitalia as well. To reduce your risk of getting herpes um, is, is, as with any STIs, is um, not to have vaginal, anal, or oral sex, but that's not reality, especially when we have a sex show here in this town. Um, so being in a long-term, mutually monogamous relationship with a partner who has been tested and has negative STI results, and also you want to use latex condoms the right way every time you have sex. Um, so... Um, herpes symptoms can occur in both male and female genital areas, even if they have been covered by a latex uh, condom. So you've got to be very careful. Latex condoms are not uh, 100%. Anyway, so uh, it's an important sexually transmitted infection not to get, and so to be aware of that. Lots of STIs out there today, chlamydia, uh, gonorrhea is uh, reemerging and is also acting like one of the superbugs. So it's actually resistant to some of the antibiotics that are out there. So that's why it's important to get tested, important to have your partner be tested as well and just know what you're dealing with. But anyway, I would give that a try. And uh, after you get to know somebody a little while, that's when you want to tell them that you have herpes. Anyway, when I come back, those promised New Year's sex resolutions. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. So thanks for being here with me tonight. It's a whole new year. And I know that all of your resolutions in the past have pretty much focused on your weight and your finances and your exercise patterns and going to the gym. And I was actually surprised um, to learn that only about 40% of people drop their resolutions by June. So I think that's pretty good. 60% of people are still doing them. I always like to make New Year's resolutions. I'm not buying any new clothes this year. I bought enough last year, <laughs> and uh, which is a problem because I gained six pounds over the holidays because I ate chocolate. I bought a box of Purdy's in case anyone dropped by, and I had them put in 22 
of those chocolate, dark chocolate caramels with the salt. I said, oh, I can have all 22? That, okay, make, give me a box of that. And I ate 21 of them. One guest got one. Uh, and then somebody dropped up, some, who came and stayed with a, uh, me at Whistler, brought some chocolate bells and balls. And uh, so I ate all the bells at first. <laughs> they were the easiest. And then the balls. But um, anyhow, so I gained some weight. So that's going to be a problem because of the clothes that I have. So they're going to be a little tighter this year. Anyway, so I've got to add to, you know, getting back to the way I normally eat, which is, you know, a diet largely in, um, I try anyway, uh, fruits, berries, and apples I eat, and salad, and vegetables, particular vegetables, and I eat protein. So anyway, I'll have to take that six pounds off. No more chocolate. I passed a Mars bar today, and that was troublesome. Anyway, um, so, but something that you may not think about is uh, your New Year's sex resolutions or sex resolutions for the new year. Um, this, these are really important, especially as we're able to speak about sex a little bit more often than before. It's, uh, you know, I'm trying to make it a normal aspect of education. You can see I've even got some nurses against me, but anyway, and I'm a nurse myself. Um, but it is related to health and it is related to personal satisfaction in a relationship and, and happy marriages. And, and we're seeing a rise on, um, sexless marriages. Uh, It's something like a 20-fold increase in the last 15 years. So that's pretty significant. Uh, The the good news is is that the longer you're in a relationship, the, you know, you you start out the relationship and you have sex all the time and then, you know, it drops off and then it continues on a downward trend until you get to, you know, the longer-term relationship, like 25 30 years. So if you can just hang in there after 25 or 30 years, you're likely to have more sex. But why not have better sex now? Then you'll be less sexually frustrated as well. So what are my some of my recommendations as a sexpert to uh, increase your performance in the bedroom, to help you have more sex, to help you have better sex so that you can have better health and a better relationship. So one thing I hear in my clinical practice quite a bit is um, about initiation. Men will constantly complain about she never initiates. So if you're in a heterosexual relationship and you find that you are the one that initiates all the time, um, you know, that could be a problem. So you may have to accept the fact that you initiate more. And quite honestly, a lot of women initiate uh, as well. So it's common, not uncommon for women to initiate. But if you never initiate, you need to start initiating sex more. You, you know what? If you're with a guy, you don't really have to say much anyway to initiate anyway. Um, so making sex a priority and initiating it more or accepting that she never will initiate and that you're just going to have to do more initiation and and just be okay with that. Um, Sleep in in January. It's cold, and I'm a big proponent of AM sex, especially for people who are tired because you've had a good night's sleep. You can wake up, have sex, face the day, and then guess what? You don't have to do it that night um, when you're actually really exhausted. So that may be a good thing. Being more spontaneous, you know, really, you got to... Start doing things on a whim. Now, being busy usually results in having to plan for sex, and I do recommend planning for sex because I think we've actually been planning for sex our entire lives. Um, But there has to be a few occasions when you're able to, you know, come on to your girlfriend on a whim or your husband or your partner or whomever and just out of the blue. And make a commitment to not just have sex spontaneously, but kiss 
passionately, rub shoulders, flirt for no reason. And all of these things will add to that spontaneity. And, you know, the foreplay begins earlier in the day. The foreplay begins through text messages, through maybe a nice little note in the lunch or something. You know, take that time. It doesn't take much time to be thoughtful. Making coffee, put it in the travel mug, hand it to your partner on the way out. Just some little gesture like that. Just a little sex before you go to the office is fine. Try to avoid having sex at the office with somebody else if you're in a relationship. That's never good. Anyway, um, try new positions. And I am going to review some new positions. I've got 46 of them to review with you in 2015. And um, so, you know, people, because they're tired, they tend to fall back toward the missionary, to the missionary position. And you know what? But studies show that men actually prefer the missionary position. So I'm not sure what you're all complaining about. But nonetheless, different positions can be a whole lot more fun. And any variation on a theme is is great. And um, there's a one position I'm going to tell you about a little later in the year uh, that's just going to just drive you crazy and fulfill all of your needs. Of course, a new location. We mentioned the hotel. Did I mention going to a hotel earlier? Anyway, um, always nice to you know get to a place that you don't have to empty the dishwasher or clean the toilets. And so booking into a hotel is nice. Um, but we all you know stick to bed. And especially as we get uh, you know, a little older in life, people, you know, res- revert back to the bed. Um, but anyway, you can go to the kitchen or you can go to the bathroom. Uh, there can be other places in the in the in your own home um, if you can't afford to go to a hotel. And that's fine as well. But also, let's make this the year since I watched the movie Wild. It made me think of the outdoors. And so why not go outdoors and have sex? Outdoor sex. It might be cold right now, but, you know, there's all sorts of down coats and quilts and sleeping bags. I'm obviously I'm not a big camper. Anyway, um but you know, take those baby steps and head outside of the bedroom to other areas. Um, you know, whether it be inside or outside. You know, some people actually sleep outside. I I, it is totally not for me, but um, but you might like to to do that. Sleep out on your deck and and make it a very romantic. Have candlelight and uh, bring some sleeping bags out there and and you know do the dirty deed out there, my friends. Um, but anything that makes that is also more daring can be way more exciting. So um, you know, I think that's actually a a good way to um, you know add a little excitement there are you know the i don't i don't know if i get in, i might get in trouble for this but there are some bathrooms in this city that are soundproof <laughs> am i in trouble <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> gabe just woke up <laughs> i have to check these things out i am the city sex expert. <laughs> i have to know you've tested the soundproof in these bathrooms <laughs> well i do have a research center and i only have one employee in it and it is me <laughs> I test out everything. <laughs> anyway, so if you want to, um, you know, I'd advise it, actually. <laughs> because it can be exciting and it can be fun. I'm not going to name the restaurants. In fact, I had an argument with somebody about, <laughs> and it was a pretty swanky hotel. I'm like, you know, the problem here is that the bathrooms aren't soundproof. And <laughs> and she said, no, they are. I said, no, I can hear you. Okay, they're not. <laughs> Um, but anyhow, uh, so I think if you're building a new restaurant or hotel, make your bathroom summer. <laughs> Never know who's going to be <laughs> suggested to go in there. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a registered nurse and I'm professional. <laughs> anyway, but I love talking about sex. But, you know, some women only like to talk about sex. 
<laughs> Put your money where your mouth is. And you know what? Engage in sex. Realize it can be pleasurable and beautiful and wonderful. And uh, whether you <laughs> it's going to change going out for dinner for 2015. <laughs> hmm, I wonder if this is one of the restaurants. Anyway, <laughs> email me. I'll tell you which restaurants they are. Sextalk at cknw.com. Anyway, when I come back, we're going to wrap up this show. I'm Maureen McGrath. You've been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Eating out in this city has never looked so good. Thanks for listening tonight. Happy New Year to you all. I I wish you the best for yourselves and your family and your partners. And I wish you great sex for 2015. At least some hope about it. Don't give up. Uh, you know where to go if it's uh, a little bit dull. Well, I actually didn't give you the name of those restaurants. But anyway, you can you can check it out yourself. You can do the research yourself, <laughs> yourselves. But I, I got the list. Anyway, I've been given a new name of a new place. I'm going to be checking that out soon. <laughs> you have a few restaurant owners worried right now. <laughs> I do. <laughs> they had no idea. <laughs> Uh, but that's okay. Now, now, if I'm seen in a restaurant too, <laughs> she's been gone for a really long time. <laughs> exactly, she's ordered nothing. <laughs> Where is she? Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Anyway, it's always great to be here with you every Sunday night. Uh, next week, we're going to delve a little bit more into uh, how to regain love after an affair, how to regain that trust back in. I'll be speaking in February on the 14th on Valentine's Day at the Wellness Show here in Vancouver, amongst another, a number of other wellness shows. You can go to my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. You can follow me on Twitter, at Back the Number 2 The Bedroom. You can follow me at all the restaurants in Vancouver, <laughs> where you will um, not order an appetizer either. Anyway, I'm Maureen McGrath. You've been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Happy New Year to you all.